Welcome to refreshing, energizing business talk. This is Think Tank, conversations in a digital world, presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Get ready to hear from industry executives and thought leaders on the best strategies and technologies to drive your business forward in times of uncertainty and accelerate success. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host, and we got an interesting show for you today. Topic is prioritizing security and efficiency. The and is very important. The question is either or? No, the answer is no longer either or. We're going to explain why. Before I introduce my two very special guests, let me give you a couple of buzz quotes, which I like to do. Listen up, you're going to learn something. And this may, some of this may sound very familiar, or it might even frighten you. Oh my. Buzz number one, quote from Bruce Schneier, an American cryptographer, computer security professional, privacy specialist, and writer. He says, amateurs hack systems, professionals hack people. Oh my, just let that sink in if that hasn't scared you. Buzz number two is from Richard Clark. I think you're all familiar with him, American novelist and former U.S. National Coordinator for Security and Counterterrorism between 1998 and 2003. And he says, if you spend more on coffee than on IT security, you will be hacked. What's more, you deserve to be hacked. Oh, my. Thank you, Richard Clark. Buzz number three is from Stefan Napo. He's the global head of information security for Societe Generale Internationale Banking since 2011. And he says, if you think you know it all about cybersecurity, this discipline was probably ill explained to you. Okay, a lot of words to the wise here. Buzz number four, I'm almost done. James Snook, Deputy Director of the Office for Cybersecurity and Information Assurance. And he says, my message to companies that think they haven't been attacked is, you're not looking hard enough. And one more, this is from Abhijit Naskar, one of the world's famous neuroscientists, he says in his profile, and best-selling author of The Art of Neuroscience and Everything. And here's his quote, no technology that's connected to the internet is unhackable. Oh my, now let me give you a little background here. My panelists are nodding. Yeah, they know what we're talking about. To unlock the power of your company's data, many business technology implementations are focusing on optimizing business processes, and you're all familiar with that. Optimize, optimize, optimize. That focus, however, can sometimes lead to prioritizing efficiency at the expense of our topic, security. Here's a reality check. No company can afford to be lax in security in today's world with both internal and external cybersecurity threats. There, we said it both. What should you do? It's time to reimagine your risk and compliance. Simplifying and embedding controls within systems and transactions and gaining early and even predictive insight into anomalies and potential risks, this can help you achieve security in an evolving risk landscape. You don't have to be smart. You have to be smarter than the hackers. That's some advice I can give you. Security not only delivers increased efficiency, but an overall better user experience by protecting your processes, your data, your identities, and your financials. I have two very special guests with me today. First up, and they can wave. We are videotaping this, so I can say that. They can wave to me. Gabriele Fiatta at SAP. And he said, I've only met him twice, but he said, we know each other so well, I can call him Gabs. So Gabs, (laughs) welcome. And then we have Pete Hobson 
at PwC Wave Hello Pete, and I'm going to ask them to share their expert insights on our topic. Again, prioritizing security and efficiency, no longer either or. Welcome to both of you. So happy to be here. Gabs, it's time for us to meet you officially, unofficially. We want to know who are you, what do you do at SAP, and Gabs, most importantly, what's your passion for this topic? So welcome to Think Tank, Gabs. Go ahead. Thanks, Bonnie. Yeah, so Gabriele Fiata, but everybody calls me Gabs, and I work for SAP. I focus on uh, innovating um, the cybersecurity and enterprise risk management solutions that SAP provides to, to their customers. Um, those are actually the areas that I am passionate about, a passion that started uh, even before my very first job as a, a security administrator. I always, um, I would say, had a desire to test boundaries. Um, in my life. Uh, when, I, when I was at college, I used to have fun testing how good the security of the computers in our labs was. And then observe how long it will take for um, teachers to restore the machines that we could actually have our information security lesson. Um, and I hope they will never see this show, actually. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it's a pleasure to be here. And thanks for inviting me. And it's a pleasure to see Pete again. We've been working uh, together in the past. And it's, uh, it's so nice to see him again. Thank, Thank you. you, Gabs. Testing the boundaries. I think that's something <laughs> that's something that the hackers are doing, and that's something that we want companies to pay more attention to. Did you like the quotes I used in the beginning, Gabs? Did they hit home? Love those, and I actually have a um, couple of more for you later on. I know okay. that you like quotes. Good, I do. Thank you very much. Now we're going to meet Pete Hobson. Pete, welcome, welcome, welcome to Think Tank. So happy to have you here. It's your turn. Who is Pete Hobson, the real Pete Hobson? Sit up, stand up, and tell us who you are and what's your passion for our topic. Pete, welcome. Absolutely, Bonnie. Nice to meet you. And Gabs, it's great to see you again. You know, it, it's wild how this community comes together and so small, right? You know, um, you know, going back to when we started to work together in Russia all those years ago, and now here we are talking about the things that we've learned since then. Um, you know, a little bit about myself. I work with PwC. Um, a lot of my focus and my passion is about helping clients understand the different risks that are out there when they're deploying different enterprise applications. I happen to spend a lot more time with SAP, but all these topics, all these things, it, it's fun to solve these problems regardless of what technology you're using, all right? And I think that's the beauty of this space, why it's so fun. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's always changing, right? You never know what you're going to get. There's always a new problem. There's always a new challenge. And, you know, when you get down to it, it's fun to solve problems, right? So in an ever-changing landscape, it's always to see what's new, what's next, and how can we react, how can we respond, and how can we solve it? Pete, I think you just inadvertently or advertently quoted Forrest Gump. My, like my mama always said, life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? You just said that. I think we worked in a movie quote there. I'm looking at Gabs here on, on the video. and he, Yeah, I think that's right, too. Thank you, gentlemen, both. We're very happy to have you here. And this is such an important topic. I, I'm going to go out on a limb, but maybe not too far and say it's always timely to talk about security, isn't it? Especially today, especially now. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. The hackers are more motivated, whatever their reason is, the why, what is their why. They are have more access to more tools. Companies have tools. Hackers have tools. And they're out there. It's not going to get better anytime soon. Now it's time on the show where I've asked both of my guests, speaking of quotes, to send me a quote from a movie, fictional character, movie or TV, or a song lyric that has nothing to do it's literally nothing to do with our topic, and they're going to relate it to the topic in their own words. So Gabriele Fiata Gabs has sent a quote from the character, 
Kevin McAllister, played by the one and only, very young at the time, Macaulay Culkin, who has developed into quite an actor. The movie, of course, Home Alone, 1990. Was it that long? 31, 32 years ago, Gabs? Christmas family comedy. And it turns out it was a series of comedies and all different people played different. I have the whole list here, but the film became the highest grossing movie of 1990 at, and this doesn't sound like a lot of money, $476.6 million worldwide. That just doesn't sound like a lot. So here's the quote. This is my house. I have to defend it. Gabs, how did you find this one? Talk to me. Yes, well, first of all, you know, you asked me just um, after Christmas, and this is one of the movies that they play pretty much every year on Christmas Day. So um, it, it directly came to my mind, and, and I love both the movie, which is, of course, Home Alone, um, and the quote. Um, the quote is just because we, we all put great effort to secure the place where we live, our personal goods, um, finances, assets, either physically or digitally. Um, nowadays, um, and, and exactly um, with the same effort should be put in um, safeguarding the place where we work, our employer, and ensure that their crucial business processes, sensitive data, and intellectual property are actually safeguarded. Um, we need definitely to help defending it. Um, and from the movie perspective, I love it because it's got so many connections with the security world. You know, how do you proactively defend your perimeter? Um, how you need to be smarter than the perpetrators, and you, Bonnie, were mentioning that earlier on. Uh, for example, with deception techniques, um, you know, this is where security for me becomes very sophisticated and exciting. Thank you very much. Love the quote. And I, I watched the clip and it brought back memories of the movie. It certainly was iconic in its time and spun off a lot of media. Thank you very much, Gabs. Pete Hobson has sent us a quote. I had to look this one up, Pete. The quote is from originally the Karate Kid 1984 film, a little bit before the Home Alone. The character is John Kreese, K-R-E-E-S-E, a fictional character in the Karate Kid franchise created by Robert Mark Kamen. He was a a vicious and ruthless teacher who taught his karate students to be ruthless and merciless against their opponents. He specialized in Tang Su Du, which is a Darwinistic martial arts. And Cobra Kai is an American martial arts comedy drama streaming TV series and a sequel to the Karate Kid film. So we've got the same quote in both places. So I'm going to read the scene, Pete, very briefly from the Karate Kid. Kree says, what do we study here? And the class says, the way of the fist, sir. And Cree says, and what is that way? And the class says, strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. And Cree says, I can't hear you. And the class says, strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. That's from the Karate Kid from Cobra Kai. John Cree says, prepare. What do we study here? And Cobra Kai, the class says, the way of defense, sir. And what is that way? Here's the quote again. Strike first, strike hard, no mercy, sir. (sighs) Pete, I'm exhausted already. Tell me, how did you find this one and what does it have to do with our topic? Pete Hobson. Absolutely. And Bonnie, first, let's start by saying, I think you now know more about the Karate Kid than Mm -hmm. I do at this point. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's a real wonderful backlog on it. Um, Look, I, I picked it, number one, you know, me and my wife have been binge-watching Cobra Kai on Netflix over the last couple of months, and we think it's amazing, right? Um, so it's really addicting. But as we're going through that, I was thinking about the topic. It makes a ton of sense. Like, take a look at the people that are out there, all these threat actors, all these hackers, right? What are they doing? They're striking first, they're striking hard, and there's no mercy, 
right? And they only have one thing. There's no defense. Their defense is offense, right? And a lot of the way that these hackers act, these threat actors, you know, behave, it's so similar to the way the Cobra Kai do, right? And, and that's, you know, I looked at this one. I'm like, what better way to look at it? This is what you're up against. People that will written relentlessly and ruthlessly attack no matter what. Yep. Absolutely right. And but the question is, can we turn that around, Pete, and say to companies and we're talking to listen, this this show has an audience all over the world. We're going to be on Voice America Business Channel. Millions of people around the world have the opportunity to hear this and some of them might even see the video and watch the expressions on your faces <laughs> because we're certainly enjoying the topic. But my question is, is this a message to companies? To what's the quote again? To strike first. In other words, should companies be relentless and vicious in their defense against cybersecurity? Pete, is that the message we want to flip to the companies that are listening? I'd, I'd probably look at it a different way. I think you need to know your opponent so you can design your strategy against them, right? So if you're going back to the Cobra Kai to Karate Kid, right? You know, the Miyagi-Do, right? What do they do? They design defense, right? They react, they respond, they prepare, right? They design things to address and prevent attacks, right? And that's the way you go through it. So if I'm saying anything to organizations out there, it wouldn't be find a way to strike harder, right? No one's going to be able to go out there, right? We're not going to be able to go hunt these people down and attack them, right? From wherever they're coming from. But what it is, is realize this is what your opponent does. This is how they're going to behave. And how can you position yourself best to respond, react, and defend against what they're going to do? Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Gabs, do you agree with what? We aren't even into our discussion part of the show yet, but do you agree with what Pete said about using that statement for defending your company's data and everything in it? Absolutely. I mean, it's all um, about uh, being smarter, as I said, um, you know, a number of minutes before, um, than the, the attackers. I mean, that's the beauty of cybersecurity. I think this is where cybersecurity becomes exciting and not boring like many other people think security is. You know, it's it's being always um, on top of the latest trends and be faster, stronger and better than uh, your attacker, you know, in order to defend your organization. Yes, absolutely. Thank you both. I love the way the quotes work in so beautifully into the conversation, and I thank you both for doing your, your research and your homework. Very appreciated. Great quotes. Gabs, we're going to start our formal roundtable discussion segment of the show, and I have picked statement number one. Just for our listeners and viewers, I've asked each of my two esteemed guests to send me six statements with their point of view on different aspects of our topic, and I'm going to pick and choose several of those statements. I'll read a little bit. Gabs, the first one is short. I'll read it. Ask Gabs to spend about three minutes Unpack it. Tell us what's your POV. And then I will move over to Pete Hobson. And Pete, you just turned off your video there. I will move over to Pete and ask Pete, there you are, to agree or disagree with Gab. So let's see if we get into anything controversial or provocative. (laughs) There's a hint for both of you. So here's what Gab said in his first statement. Cybersecurity is built on the joint effort of people, process, and technology. And here's the kicker. People usually represent the weakest and most risky link. Processes and technology should be set up to mitigate this risk, and they should be as innovative as they can be. And it's so important, Gabs put an exclamation point. Hackers are always thinking ahead. Gabs, talk to me. Three minutes. Unpack, please. Go ahead. Yes. So, um, like I said, people are, for me, always the weaker list. Always. I mean, let's take a phishing attack, um, attack as, um, as an example. That is a social engineering attack where an attacker will go on, on social media and nowadays for him will be very, or for her, will be very easy to find 
the name of a person, the company the person works for, but also the job that that person does in the company, which sometimes means the authority that the person will have in the system. If I am a head of payroll, or if I am a head of purchasing, that gives me an indication that maybe I have authority to pay somebody. Um, and what a, a, an attacker will do, having access to first name, last name, and then the company where the person works for, in a number of seconds, we'll figure out what the email of the person is. And then we'll send an email to the person that will look like a legitimate email from the company, nothing strange, will look a perfect professional email, or it can be an instant message nowadays. And then the only thing that the hacker needs is that person that usually is not a security expert to click on the link. It shouldn't be clicking, but it doesn't now. It goes into this page that looks like a company page. It, is re it resets its password. And at that point, sometimes that's enough for the attacker to get in. And once the attacker is in, sometimes it's enough for the attacker to impact business processes, make payments, download credit card or bank account information, and so on. Um, and so on. So I truly, truly uh, believe that security processes supported by innovative and latest and next generation technologies must be in place to mitigate um, the errors that um, often people will make. And, and thank, Pete, go, go easy on me. Thank you. And Gabs, I wanted to say it sounds like something we don't usually hear. We hear about the words change management. You know, you're putting in a new system or you're moving your, moving your operations to the cloud or you're doing something major in terms of a company. We need change management. We need training. But this is as basic as don't write your passwords on a piece of paper next to your desk and don't walk away from your computer without locking it. And don't use the same computer at home that your teenagers are using, even though you're all locked down, et cetera, et cetera. Pete. You have been asked to go easy on Gabs. I'm going to take that restriction off. Pete, whatever you want to say is good. Go ahead, Pete. It's up. I mean, yeah, so my first question is, if, if you can't write down your password on a piece of paper and stick it under your laptop, how are you going to remember it? I mean, like, where else would you put it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but in all, all seriousness, I think you're hitting on a real bit important point, right? What I'd add to it, you know, people tend to be a problem, right? It, it, you know, it's not even intentional, right? It's easy to make mistakes. There's something you click when you're not thinking, you know, maybe you do get tricked, right? These people are smart. They're coming up with different items, right? Um, so it's all about that training and that, you know, creating that culture of, hey, we need to be secure, right? Ask a question, be skeptical, right? Don't just do something because it came up, right? And, and it goes back towards training your people, right? When you see all these different phishing simulations, right? We do a lot of those different items. Train people to be smarter, to be skeptical, and, and it'll reduce the likelihood there's a problem, right? I think something else you hit on, Gabs, I want to touch on a bit, the technology component, right? I feel like so much in this space, when we talk about cybersecurity, the amount of calls that I'll join and say, hey, we're like looking to do, about, do a security program or a cybersecurity program, what technology should I buy, right? Technology is not the solution. It, it, it supports the solution, right? And I think that gets left out an awful lot. Most of these technologies, you buy them, what they do is they tell you you have a potential problem. It doesn't stop the problem. It doesn't fix the problem. It just tells you, it, it highlights what your exposure might be. It's on the people. It's on the processes to be able to take action, you know, to review these items and to make sure that you're as secure as possible. Thank you. All good points. Thank you very much. Pete, I've just put the next discussion statement in the chat for you. Gabs, anything you want to say back to Pete? You can unmute. How long do I have to reply? Say that again. How long? How long do I have to reply? How many minutes? 
three, a whole three minutes. <laughs> whatever. They must have really liked what I had to say. Oh, right? yeah. Go uh, for it, Gabs. Go for I'm it. Joking. Go on. Go for it. This uh, is no, good. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I completely agree. And uh, from a technology angle, that's actually a very interesting point and completely agree that um, technology will never replace what people um, and process can can do for a company, which is the baseline that everybody and every company needs to have. However, I will say that I've seen sometimes technology be used as an enabler to identify and and um, and show, especially to the leadership, the problems that the companies might have when it comes to the business system. So through data analytics and um, threat detection show evidence to the board and grab the attention to the board that there is something urgent that needs to be done with um, security. There is a quote, another Bonnie loves quote, but there is a quote that I love from, uh, I think, who was the first um, data scientist ever, um, Edward Demings. And he says that without data, you are just another person with an opinion. And, and this is usually... Um, what SAP security teams are when they go and pitch for budget, for resources to the board without having anything to show to them. And, and usually what the board does, you know, they go and listen to the profit centers, which are the sales, the finance, that actually bringing money to the company versus maybe they should actually go and look and listen more to the security people because otherwise there could be some catastrophic impacts to the business. Thank you very much. Good back and forth. Yes, you have three minutes anytime you want to respond or speak. No restrictions on that. Thank you very much, Gabs. Thank you for a good conversation starter. Pete, I'm looking at your first statement here in the list you sent, and I'm going to read just a little bit of it and then ask you to unpack it. You say more and more organizations are integrating security into their overall enterprise absolution design and decision-making process. And you say this is a positive change from the past and allows them to better incorporate security into the solution and drive process efficiency rather than slow it down with manual security and risk management tasks. Pete, let's go keep, let's go unpack this even more and add more. I know you have a lot to say. Pete Hobson. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think so starting with it, you know, this relates a lot towards the whole focus of our conversation, right? Security being, you know, part of the solution and making things efficient and not making it that either or decision, right? When you go back to what we talked about, when you do different enterprise application implementations, if you're working with any type of software, your main focus is how do we enable the business? How do we make it go faster? How do we drive business efficiencies? How do we avoid from shutting it down? right? And that becomes your lens that you make all your decisions with, right? What that leads to is you often get a solution that works really well, runs the business, but you find things later down the line that maybe aren't a good thing, right? You go back 10, 15 years ago, oh man, we were now compliant with most regulations like Sarbanes-Oxley, right? Nowadays, you're applying this lens of cybersecurity. And what, what organizations are finding is they're going through all this effort, they're spending all, this, all these months and years, they're deploying solutions, and then they get to the end, and they have a problem. They've created a new problem in addition to having a solution, right? So there's this trend that's coming up now is how do we avoid that problem from showing up after go live and addressing it before go live, right? And so that's where you're seeing this trend of this conversation of let's integrate our security professionals into the process, into the solution, make them a part of it, right? And by doing that, that applies that counter lens, right? If you're looking at it, when you have a bunch of folks that have a process first focus, bringing those counterpoints, bringing security, bringing compliance, bringing controls, they're going to offer a different opinion, just looking at the same requirement a different way. 
And by doing that, that's the best way to create a more comprehensive and better solution, right? Too often, we're finding things, you find them too late, either right after go live, a month beforehand, or even halfway through the build is done, right? The problem is, it's not that the opinions are wrong. When security comes up with something, there's things that you do need to do, but they create a lot of frustration because it creates rework, right? The work's already been done. The solution's been built. Nobody wants to go back for it. And I know, you know, personally, as a security professional, if it's the other way, if I built something for security and they roll out all sorts of new functionality, I'm equally as frustrated. It's annoying. I've built something and now you've changed it. And now I have to redo half of the things I did before, right? So that's why there's such this importance as organizations are figuring this out, bring it to the forefront, include it in the solution, and then it works, right? It's efficient, right? It, it's integrated, it's low effort, and it prevents rework. And, and I think all across the board, you're seeing a lot of people much more satisfied with that and delivering more comprehensive and secure solutions from the day they go live. Thank you, Pete. And I'm thinking there must be a thousand movies that use the following three words. We could find a quote, but I don't have time to look it up. And the answer to the people you were talking about would be, are you serious? Right? <laughs> we, we already built it. We already implemented it. We were already trained in it. We're already using it. And now you want to change it again because of security? Are yep. you serious? Gabs, chime in, please. What do you think? On this one, I, I completely agree um, with Pete. And, and I think I wanted to, I was you know listening to Pete's comments and I was thinking that I believe this is why currently, or especially we, we're going to see this trend in the next years, chief information security officers will become more and more important as part of, uh, of the board, you know, to ensure that the security culture is actually embedded at each level of, of the organization of the company. Um, I always think that, of course, prevention is better than cure. And, and you know, Pete and I have been working on a number of projects, and when he was talking about experiences, I could just recall some of the um, cases that we had um, in the past. But, uh, yes, so, you know, usually companies think about security as an afterthought, especially during finance transformations. And, and then I would say pretty much always they realize that security is a must. And... Unfortunately, sometimes they realize that when business processes are already defined and implemented and the business is already used to work in a certain way. So when you then go back, because you realize that you need to implement now security processes, then you are actually disrupting the business to work in the way that they're used to. And that creates the business, um, well, it supports the business to be unhappy. And they actually starts to see security as a pain instead of as a, a support function. That is what really is. Thank you. Uh, very you know, Gabrielle, much. It's, I, I would add to it to that one. It's almost like when, when you don't do it up front, what you get is something that's more expensive and less effective. Right. And I feel like most people, that's not what I'm shopping for most of the time. Right. So, you know, anything you can do to pull it forward, it works better. It, it's less expensive and it's a far less annoying. Right. So it's big <laughs> The annoyance factor. Thank you. But then, then the challenge is, as we mentioned in the opening, and you reinforced this, Pete Hobson, that I said in my opening, it is an evolving security landscape. And the hackers are have access to tools and great technology, and they're smart, and they're motivated, and things will change. And something you put in in January may be rife with risk of fraud by June or by September of that year. So there is almost a built-in need to tolerate the frustration of, are you serious? I'm going to leave it there. Pete, anything you want to say back to Gabs? I think you just commented. Anything to wrap this one up? Because I've got something, a next topic already teed up. Pete, you good? 
I, I am all set. What's the next topic? Thank you. Next topic, Gabs, I put it in the chat. I'm looking at your statement number two. We have to talk about this because this is something that is the new buzz from at least last year, maybe earlier, but I became aware of it in 2021. A zero trust model. Let's break it down. You say a zero trust model does not need to slow down the business and become a pain for the company. It's becoming a must for companies now that heterogeneous landscapes are growing and business processes are 10 times faster than 10 years ago. So let's talk about, let's do a level set, I call it, Gabs. Let's define what is a zero trust model and who is on the zero side as opposed to the trust side? How do you get from zero to trust? We'll look at it that way. Gabs, talk to me. Yeah, so first of all, Zero trust is a term that business don't like. Even if they do not understand what zero trust is, they just don't like the term because it's zero trust. You're basically not trusting your employees, which is not what zero trust is. Zero trust is to ensure that you're safeguarding your company's assets by unauthorized um, people. Um, however, if you look nowadays, companies, they need to provide access to their heterogeneous and hybrid landscape within seconds. Um, it's very different what it was 10 years ago. If you look at 10 years ago and you take a purchasing or a sales business process, um, to by, you know, from the moment that you onboarded the supplier until the moment that you paid that person because you bought goods from them, it could go from you know, what, three to four weeks, let's say, an average company. For the sales cycle, it will be the same. By the moment that you had a relationship with your customer, by the moment that you sold them something and you got paid, probably about three, four weeks for a long time. Nowadays, for the full process to complete, it could take three, four hours. And, um, and customers also expect that, you know, they expect, um, and we expect that when we buy things, that we will receive things, receive them and pay them in a matter of hours. But of course, the access to what you can do and what um, employees and the workforce can do in the system needs to be checked, monitored, controlled, to avoid employees having full freedom to do whatever they want with the company's money and with the company's sensitive data intellectual property. And I strongly believe that now we are in a position actually to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to provide employees access at full speed, so immediate access to what they need to do, but at the same time avoid dangerous and fraudulent activities. So yes, a zero trust model must be implemented, but that doesn't necessarily mean you need to over restrict or slow uh, your user or slow down the business. For me, it means finding the perfect balance between security and business efficiency. And here again is where I truly believe that AI can support, especially with things like automated continuous controls monitoring. Thank you very much. Very important topic. Pete, thoughts, zero trust. What side What side can we get people on more on the trust, less on the zero? How does that process work from your experience? I'm always, I'm, I'm never a fan of the term zero, right? Because I think like Gabs was hitting on, it, it has a negative context, right? Like it cannot happen in any yeah. circumstances. Zero yeah. of these things happen and, and it creates a natural reaction against it, right? It, I'd put it this way. And I think Gabs, you were hitting on this. It's about picking your spots, Right. You can't defend everything. You can't you know, prevent all risk. What you have to know is what's the most important items, right? What are your critical assets, right? What are your biggest risks? And you have to defend against those. You plan your defense against those, right? You can't stop everything, but push comes to shove. You have to figure out what can't happen, right? Where do we have zero trust? It's not in every scenario, but it is in some, right? Pick those spots, plan your defense, set up your strategy and be able to go that way. Thank you very much. Gabs, anything you want to say back, Pete? I'm putting the next topic in the chat for you. Gabs? 
I'm, re- I'm ready for the next one. Oh, boy, you're keeping me moving here, gentlemen. (laughs) Well, you all send me such great content that I want to see if we can cover as much as we can. So, Pete, statement number three, you say securing enterprise technology requires assessing the entire landscape through various security lenses. And I'm just going to read a couple. One is role-based access control. We just talked about access authorizations, privileged identity management, vulnerability management, code security, security architecture, patch management, threat assessment and mediation. Third-party security, and I'm jumping down to a later statement you have here. You talk about um, not just limited to production systems, intellectual property, personally identifiable information brings to mind shades of GDPR and other critical assets that could lead to a breach or a loss. A lot of lenses. That's quite a microscope, isn't it, Pete? So, Pete, talk to me. How does a company pay attention to all of these lenses and do it with efficiency in mind for getting the business, keeping doing the business, Pete? You know, it's funny. I'm looking at that one. I'm like, I'm kind of laughing myself for using the term few. (laughs) there's a laundry list of examples i I debunked that a long time ago there you go (laughs) it's all from you my dear go ahead pete talk to me yeah absolutely but i think what you're looking at so i think the reason why you put all those items out there so people realize this is a pretty broad and diverse topic and has a lot of different ways that you can go about it right um there are many print misconceptions there are so many misconceptions out there um, about what cybersecurity is or what securing applications are, right? Depending who you talk to, right? It might be cybersecurity, might be managing vulnerabilities, right? Other people worry about code scanning. You know, for me, for the longest time, securing SAP was about the roles that you use within the system, right? Um, it's just, there's so many different things out there, right? What I'd stress to anybody when you look at it is keep your mind open about how to solve problems, right? These are lenses. They're also techniques, right? There's too many ways that when you look at it, a problem comes up, you get a requirement, and you just try to say, hey, we're going to fix it through this one method. That's not necessarily the way, right? Keep challenging yourself to think broadly. Like, what are some different ways we can solve this problem? We have this requirement. We have all these tools at our disposal, right? Is there a configuration we can flip? Is there an analytic we can build? Is there something we can decide? Is there a restriction we can put into place, right? Use all these different methods because what you're trying to do is find the way to be the least intrusive to the way that your business operates, right? And when you're always looking towards that, we need to secure the problem and fix the problem in the least intrusive, least invasive method. That's how you drive that efficiency that everybody's looking for. And that's how you drive that buy-in, that acceptance to say, yes, we can do security as part of this because we're finding ways to solve it in a way that's invisible to us, that doesn't disrupt us and allows us to our business to operate and flow the way that it should. Thank you. Operate and flow the way that it should. Yes, if only. That's what we're going to say. Gabs, comment back to Pete, please, on the lenses. Yes. So a very interesting topic and actually made me think about a question on my have for Pete. Um, I completely agree that security measures that must be implemented according to end user experience. At the end, security is there to support the business to run better and run more secure. That's, that's a fact. Um, what I also know, and again, I'm thinking about projects that Pete and I had in the past, is sometimes, you know, security teams struggle um, to convince the business that something is required, or maybe they find themselves in a position where they're trying to implement a security measure, a security implementation, but the business doesn't like it because it disrupts the processes too much, and they actually don't want it. And they fight with all the strength that they have not to have the security solution in place. Um, so maybe maybe a question back to Pete, if you know, if he can recall 
any examples in the past where they had such a situation and, and how we handled it? Pete? Oh, absolutely. No, I, I think, Gabriela, it, it, it's a good point. I think what I'd always look at, I think the reason why we struggle to integrate security into different, you know, into applications, into initiatives, is because we don't talk about things that people care about from a business perspective. Okay, when you're working in IT, when you work in cybersecurity, the words that you use, the people you talk to, the methods that the methodologies you use, it's heavily technical, right? Mm -hmm. And it's confusing. Like even time when you work in the situation, right? I had a conversation recently where someone was listing off all these acronyms. Like, you familiar with all those? I'm like, no. (laughs) Like, there's there's so many. Some are industry standards. Some are like firm specific. Some are organization specific. It's so easy to lose people and not realize it. Right. So anytime we've overcome that in my career, it's always been about how do we tie this back to a business risk that's meaningful? Right. So if I'm looking at an example, recently we're implementing an application. We do a lot of risk assessments to help them identify where there might be problems within their business processes. Traditionally, that relates back towards operational and business process controls. Right. Help you maintain Sarbanes-Oxley compliance and items like that. Um, But we challenge ourselves that after we take these business risks, can we tie them back to different cybersecurity or broader security concepts to help drive that buy-in. So that way, when we go back to your different stakeholders from the process value streams, right, you know, from business leaders, you name it. If you say, we'd like to do this, and they ask you why, you'll be able to tie it back. Well, look, we identified this risk within your business, right? You have third parties on your solution, managing your information, creating vendors, you know, buying goods, right? This is why we want to introduce this different type of security. So you're going from just encrypt it, right, you know, use a trusted, you know, RFC items like that to saying, we're looking to protect against these third parties being on your application that might be able to steal XYZ from your business, right? And when you're able to navigate that, and it's it's easier said than done, that's how you get buy-in because you're talking about what matters to your stakeholder and not what Mm -hmm. matters to you and your colleagues. There There you have it. Gabs, good answer from Pete, yes? Yeah, well, and, and I've been working with Pete, as I said, so I know how good um, his work and his team work is. So for me, it was, it was just, uh, I was just playing wingman, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to move to another topic. I like to give him, give him just, talk, so. You just can't get rid of that <laughs> consulting-client relationship, right, Gab? You know it's always there, no matter what. <laughs> I, ju- I just wish the both of you liked each other. I don't know. I'm having <laughs> trouble. There's, there's just so much angst here. No, it, it's it's delightful for me as a host and moderator to have guests who, who enjoy talking to each other, and the point-counterpoint is, is wonderful, actually. I want to move to another topic. We've got about nine minutes left and let's see if we can squeeze in at least one more gabs another buzzword you just pack those into your statements here statement number four ransomware attacks you say are rising dramatically they've gotten incredibly easy to execute and payment methods are much more friendly to criminals i'm going to stop there and let you talk three minutes what are we talking about here gabs yes so ransomware has been um uh, you know, one of the hottest topics in cybersecurity um, at the end of last year and is still now. And the expectations is that it's going to grow and become a bigger problem going forward. And this is because business are growing increasingly reliant on digital infrastructure. And of course, with that, they're also more willing to pay ransom. Um, and, 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 and therefore, they increase the incentive to break in. Um, so the question is not anymore whether hackers will break into your business application or not. The question is when it's going to happen. 
Um, and, and this is why I believe that, like I said before, continuous threat monitoring of business application is going to become a must. Companies will not going to be, is not, they're not going to be survived without um, such um, technology anymore. And if I look at projects that we've done in the past, um, and, and probably Peter has an opinion here as well, companies spend a significant amount of budget on segregation of duties projects to ensure that people can do what they're supposed to do within the organization. Those are people that they trust. Those are their employees. On the other end, I'm not sure every company spends at least the same amount and equal effort to assess whether the employees that they believe are doing things in the system are actually the ones performing those activities and not being impersonated by external hackers. An impersonation of users is something that must be recognized very quickly so that if anything dangerous is going on that can impact critically the business and the data can actually be stopped on time, especially um, to avoid the risk of getting the company um, under ransom, um, which again is one of the biggest risks that the companies are facing right now. Absolutely. In the news all the time. Cleverer and cleverer, oftener and oftener, more expensive and more expensive. Pete Hobson, time for you to talk back. What do you see? Yeah, look, that was, that was a lot of stuff, right? And if you're going through it, I mean, what, what Gabs is talking about there, about impersonation of users, you're exactly right. Like, there's so much effort spent on what could happen within a system, right? What might happen if people did the right things with the right knowledge, how much time are we spending? What did happen? Right. And it's a lot of different ways. Like, it's really cool. Like, Hey, these hundred people could do it. Right. But who are the five that did and what was the impact? Right. Or if it did happen, was it that person? Right. These things are so important and companies still aren't spending time on that because initially when we all started about how to manage risk within the applications, it was about the, what could happen. And we also didn't have the capability to understand what did. Right. Now you're shifting towards it. You have that ability through technology, right. AI is one, machine learning, like guys has been saying. I'm a big fan of analytics. They can pull so much data, and there's a lot of structured data within these applications, so you can pull it and understand what's happening, right? That's, the, that's where this really needs to go, and a, and a shift that you're seeing more and more in the industry is, let's stop talking about the could. Let's talk about the did, right? And, and there's a ton of benefits. You have a better understanding of your risk portfolio. You understand exposure, and it's easier to go recover or protect against it. And honestly, as crazy as it sounds, it is less work, right? If you're looking at these different items, I mean, like, you know, Gabs, when you and I have worked together, thousands of people could create a vendor and pay a vendor. That's part of your business, how it runs, right? Right. So if you're looking at what could happen, you're reviewing thousands and thousands of things, right? The people that misuse that, you know, tens, hundreds, right? But it's, it's a fraction of what you'd be looking at, right? So taking the time, investing the upfront time to be able to understand the did, right? It saves you time and money down the line, plus you're more precise and, you know, and quicker to respond because you're getting information that's really relevant. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Gabs. Anything you want to say back? I'm going to wrap it up uh, and I'll tell you in a second. But Gabs, comments back to Pete. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I saved this for the last. I'm going to say something controversial. But can Pete respond? Hopefully he cannot, right? So I, so I can say it. <laughs> no, no. Say, say it anyway. No, no. Take- I just want to say this because I think it's an interesting thought. Now, you know, jokes apart. So I think especially now, if we are going in the future towards a model where we are more flexible 
in the way that we manage segregation of duties, meaning that we are trusting more. And I know that we were talking about zero trust, but we are trusting more maybe our employees. That doesn't mean that we are not controlling them. We are monitoring them. We are controlling them. But maybe we're making that job easier and faster. If we do that, if we go towards that vision, at the same time, controlling that those users are not being impersonated by somebody else externally, so people that we don't trust externally from the organization becomes even more important. Thank you very much. Gentlemen, I have to tell you, this was, uh, I expected this would be lively, but just not quite so much. I wasn't aware how long the two of you worked together, and it, it certainly shows. So I'm going to ask each of you for, if I say one sentence, I know you'll give me five. So I'll say two sentences, and maybe you'll give me six, okay? Two sentences of your advice to the companies who will be in our listening audience who will hear this podcast. Final wrap-up. What do you want them to take away? Gabs Fiata, what do you want them to think about first? If, if somebody had three minutes to sit down and say, what did I take away from Gabs and Pete? What do you want them to remember? I'll give you a minute. That's all we have. One minute. Go ahead, Gabs. You first. Pete, get ready. Gabs? Yes. Um, so... Um, first of all, um, um, pay attention to your chief information security officer because he's going to become one of the most uh, important person of your company. So if you can build connections with him, do so. Um, ensure that you can centralize everything that you do, not just user access administration, but everything that you do, controls, monitoring, audit, centralize that and automate that. Because with the heterogeneous and hybrid landscape, that companies are moving to where it's not just one system anymore, it's 100 systems, you need to centralize, you need to automate. Um, and third, um, external cyber threat. The, ex- the external cyber threat is something that you need to monitor just as well as your internal um, threat. That's a must, and it's going to become more and more important going forward. Thank you. Pete, you get the last word. One minute exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, I'd say challenge yourselves to bring security into the process as early as possible. Look at, look at ways, bring that extra perspective to your design, to your build, to your decision-making process, right? Bring it to the front, front, don't delay it to the end. You're gonna get something that's so much better from a solution. It's gonna be more comprehensive, it's gonna be more secure, and you're not gonna see any of the downsides that might be typically associated with security, right? You know, like I said before, it'll be more efficient, Right? And it will be lower cost. And that's what we're all trying to work towards. Thank you very much. I have really enjoyed the conversation. I have a couple of shout outs of gratitude. Thank you to Mickey Heidke at, I hope I pronounced that right, Mickey at Hot Fusion, who works behind the scenes as my showrunner to put this together. Lisa Chalmers at SAP. Thank you, Lisa. Jackie Day is with us in the background. I'm waving at you, Jackie, PwC. Thank you so much for helping with Pete's appearance. And of course, to Jimmy Baby at PwC as well for being behind the scenes on this. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. So happy to be here. This is Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World. Yes, indeed. Gabs Fiata, it's been just a pleasure to meet you. I've learned so much. Pete Hobson, ditto, ditto, ditto. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye from Think Tank. Bonnie D signing off. Bye. Thanks again for tuning into Think Tank, Conversations in a Digital World. Presented by SAP in collaboration with Microsoft and Intel. Keep the conversation going by tweeting your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAP Radio. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on the Business Channel next time.